This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. I'm here at DCBKK with Matt Singers, and he is a management coach and also helps people out hiring staff. Yep. Hello, Mads. Hello, Michael. How are you? I am doing great. And we're talking about intuitive hiring. Yep. So you do, you hire a lot of people. To, what's your uh, yes. experience so with that? We, I run an outsourcing company, and I do a lot of management coaching. So at the moment, we hire about 100-plus people, uh, either for our own outsourcing company or separately for, for other people's businesses. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of people every year. I used to work in IBM as well, where we did similar volumes of hiring. Um, so I have a, probably hired more than a thousand people in my life so far. So definitely a lot of volume in regards to hiring at this stage. So you probably hired a lot of good ones and a few duds. Uh, I've definitely made some mistakes as well. That's no doubt. So where does intuition come into hiring? So. The, the way I really use intuition in terms of hiring specifically is it's as much really trying to look away from the most common things people look at. So mostly when, when recruiters and, and business owners are, are recruiting, they tend to look a lot at skill set. They tend to look a lot at CVs. Oh, this guy has been in sales for 20 years. He must be great. Now, just because you've done something for a long time does not mean you're great at it. As an example, um, and what I, what I tend to use a lot when recruiting is really looking at first of all understanding what's the type of personality I'm looking for in the role. Mm. Right? Can you and, say more about that? Yeah. So uh, generally, I, I use a, a behavioral model called DISC usually. And what so does DISC stand for? DISC. Um, it, it's called DISC, that's the actual name of the behavioral model. But basically what it does is it basically breaks personality down into four different um, personalities, I guess you can call it, four different behavioral primary behaviors. Mm. And really the, the, the key purpose of that and the key purpose of DISC is really to isolate the natural behavior people have because mm-hmm. that generally helps you understand what they would be good at, what, what, their, what their natural behavior is in, in, mm. in general. So the obvious example is the likes of salespeople, yeah. where anyone have had one of these very loud, rowdy, nonstop talking salespeople talk to them, mm. right? And these are the people that generally are very good at sales. Mm. Now, when people have that type of behavior, there's also other things that they're, they're not good at. Mm-hmm. Right, and examples of that would be spreadsheets, mm-hmm. uh, numbers like big Excel uh, accountants, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ever have a guy that talks a lot and is really salesy in that way, he very, very rarely be a detail-oriented accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the sort of stuff. That so, where, how, if you t- you take a disc profile, how would you know someone's a good fit for selling from their disc? Uh, so basically. Yeah, without going into too much details around this, really the way to look at it from a sales perspective, for example, is do they have the personality to mm-hmm. talk with people? Are mm-hmm. they afraid to, to mm-hmm. do they seem reserved to go up mm-hmm. to other people or are they comfortable with it, right? Mm-hmm. In general, if you have someone that's 
that's reserved, they will generally, uh, I'm not saying they mm-hmm. can't do sale, mm-hmm. but they would generally never become the best of the best. Okay. Right. And generally, when you hire, you want to hire people that can become the best of the best. That that makes sense. So where where does intuition come into this? It's so really, the, the the key thing is is utilizing. I mean, from from my perspective, it's this, but it's really to utilizing your your knowledge and your understanding about people mm-hmm. to to try and understand when you interview people, not just do they have the right skill set, mm-hmm. but much more. Are they the right fit for the specific role mm-hmm. with in terms of personality mm-hmm. and really in terms of understanding yeah, but do they really fit the culture as well in the company, right? Mm. So within a company, you, you obviously have a, a lot of different work cultures. And what happens if they're not fit for the culture but they have the skills and the personality? Is that a bad thing? It could be. So uh, an example of bad fit for culture could mm-hmm. be people that have been used to work in a work environment where sort of eight to five or whatever, they, they show up, they do the work, and then they go home, and they don't really care very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in most high-performing companies, you generally manage to develop a culture where people are really bought into the company, where they're really, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're working 20 hours a day, but they're really bought into it, and they mm-hmm. really put everything they can behind the day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. Now, if you bring in one or two people that have a very different approach to that, that can very easily change company culture. To, mm-hmm. to a, a lesser good, at least. Do you, can you tell that they're not going to be a culture fit, or do you get a gut feeling? Or I, I think that a lot of times you, you can get a gut feeling. The, the, the one key thing about intuition, again, is understanding the personality. So a lot of the people I work with, for example, they try to hire developers. Mm-hmm. Now, developers, as an example, is generally not very outgoing, very talky people, Right. But that's really where you have to use your intuition a little bit to understand, um, yeah, to, to really understand, even though this person is not necessarily uh, that crazy, not outgoing, not selling himself very well, that doesn't mean he can't be a good developer, right? So when you look for developers, when you look for accountants, when you look for people who are really, really detail-oriented personalities, you really want to look for the people that aren't particularly selling themselves very well, right? That aren't particularly mm-hmm. assertive and rowdy and so on, mm-hmm. but the people that are much more focused on details and, and, and have that kind of personality. And you, you have to, you obviously still have to work with them and understand their, their yeah, do, do they have the kind of skills you're looking for? But in the end of the day, a lot of skills can be can be learned, right? Yeah, it's but much, culture can't be learned. Culture, personality, attitude generally yeah. can't be learned, right? So, so And it's a little harder to test for culture. It, it is, right? And that's why the, the key questions in general is, is, is trying to figure out how they feel about previous jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of questions that I actually really love asking mm-hmm. is about people's previous bosses. Oh. So who was the best boss you have ever worked with mm-hmm. and why did you feel that person was the best boss? And why does that help you in the, picking someone? The reason why that really helps me is because it helps me understand what they see being a good leader. Mm. Right? So if they say, oh, this boss was great because I could just, he didn't really check on me. I was just sitting every day. I did my job and then I went home. Or if they say, oh, he was really good. He really pressed me to the maximum. He got the best out of me. Mm-hmm. I guess there's many different answers people can come with. Yeah. And some of them 
sometimes it might be right in the middle of a park, right? But sometimes you get some really outstanding answers where you can really see how people have bought into that company and mm -hmm. how they've really bought into a role. And sometimes you get some answers that are the opposite and you can really see that people is just looking for a, mm. a, a way to easily pass eight hours every day, right? So I'm, I'm guessing as you've hired so many people, you probably have a quicker way of hiring than when you first started or that many managers have. Yes. So if, if, do you get hundreds of resumes to people who are applying? or how? Thousands. That, so how on earth do you manage to get through that so quickly? Well, uh, luckily I have a, a whole team of, of great people. So Okay. Uh, Obviously, for, for some roles... But do you, do you, are they going through every single one in detail, or is there some kind yeah. of shortcut that they have? Yeah, so general, that there is some kind of shortcuts, right? So what I tend to say is the, the people I like working with... Uh, sorry, that, there's a few exceptions. So developers, for example, you need people with skill set. You mm -hmm. don't want to start a, to train a developer from scratch because mm -hmm. that could take years, right? Mm -hmm. But in most roles, as I said, things can be learned. So in most cases, what we're really looking for is people that have either had a, a mix of experience, so not just one company. Uh, it's generally people who have Ideally, no education or limited education. Mm. And the reason why we like that is because very often lengthy education tend to make their mindset more streamlined to the rest of the population. And generally the best hires I've ever had have, have, have generally been people with, with less education but a lot more drive and a lot better attitude, right? Mm. So it's difficult to see out of a CV sometimes, but definitely mm -hmm. education is one of the things. We, we don't disqualify people with, it, with education, but generally there's, there's certain triggers. Uh, one of the things we love, for example, for customer service roles, we, we love hiring people with a background in any kind of Uh, restaurants or waiters or the likes mm -hmm. because a, a lot of people that do customer service on the phone they're paid regularly but when you talk to waiters and so on they're generally paid a lot in in tips mm. right so if you're a waiter and you want to make good money mm -hmm. you actually have to be really really good at your job mm -hmm. right so the best customer service people that I've hired over time have generally either been a waiter or in that kind of industry in the past Uh, so they have been very used to being pushed to really deliver excellent customer service. Now, I know when I've talked to other recruiters that they can just scan through a pile of resumes and, and throw out the ones that are crap very quickly, and they can pull the ones they want to look at further. Yes. Uh, at the moment, I, I hire a lot of Filipinos, and to mm. be honest, it's very clear to see that there's not a lot of resume writing Uh, classes in the Philippines or mm. there's not a lot of culture for doing that because mm -hmm. uh, generally the, the resumes are pretty poor. Uh, now in general when, when... So are you using some other thing to determine who's worth interviewing? Or? Yeah, I mean ge generally when, when, when I'm working in the Western world, the, the quality of a resume would generally tell how much effort people have put into it. Mm -hmm. right? And if someone doesn't put very much effort into things, mm. that, that would be a warning signal in general. Yeah, right. but in other countries that may not be true. In the Philippines particularly, where I'm recruiting a lot right now, that is definitely not always true. Mm. What, what we generally look for, so again, I have an actual team to do this, mm -hmm. but we basically do a, a bunch of sort of follow-ups. So we want to see how responsive are people to gauge their interest. 
So what that means is my HR basically have a couple of small tests. So that could be, for certain roles, it could be send us a sound sample of your voice. Mm-hmm. For some roles, it could be, oh, here's an English test. Can you take this test? Mm-hmm. And actually, So more practical tests about what skills they need for the, the job in question. Exactly. But the key thing is not actually the test themselves. What we're looking mm-hmm. for is how quickly do they respond? Oh, okay. How, like, in what way do they respond? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's, I mean, one thing is the test itself, and that can help yeah. you see. When you say what way they respond, what would be good or what would be bad? Yeah, so very, very often you'll get someone saying, okay, I'll get this done this week, mm. right? Now, that tells me you're not particularly keen on getting a job. Sure, there's no right? urgency there. If, if there's no urgency, if there's no drive, or like mm-hmm. really good people are generally keen to get started, right? They're, yeah. they're keen to, mm-hmm. I mean, that they reply five minutes later with, with what they, they have. Let right? me just switch to a similar, a related topic, which is, do you look at cover emails at all, or is that ignored? Or um, Again, in the Philippines, they pretty much doesn't exist. Um, in, in general, I, I used to look at them quite a bit. Mm. Um, what were you picking up from the cover email? The, the number one thing is if it's customized to our company. Mm. Like, do they care? Yes, so, in general, a lot of cover emails are just the same. It's obvious mm-hmm. that they just changed the company name. And yeah. if that's the case, then I, I don't even look at it because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they've written something, if, if you can see they've really spent the time researching your company, mm-hmm. that's, again, a great sign, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's do, you, do you find you can pick up their personality just by looking at their cover email and their resume and get some hint as to what's going yes. on? Yeah. yes. So a, a lot of time, again, that's from my background with DISC, but a lot of yeah. time when people write, the, mm-hmm. the way they write, the, the length of what they write, and yeah. how, how direct and specific it is, yeah. it tells you a lot about the, the kind of personality they have. Right. And, and that's really some of the things that I, I use to, to, mm-hmm. to determine the, the personality of a person. Mm. Uh, the same, I mean, a 30-second audio sample, I can pretty much tell yes. whoever they are, right? I can, I can tell their personality and so on, and, and I can say if that's the kind of personality needed for the role or not. Yeah, right. So your intuition gives you that information just by hearing a few seconds of them speaking. Yeah. What, kind of, what job would they be good at? So yeah. you don't have to read through all their resume and the detail and their education to get that. No, I mean, generally, as I said, I have a team doing pretty much all the stuff up until I talk to people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for, for me, I mean, generally, when I meet people face-to-face, it generally takes less than a minute to, to yeah. judge their natural behavior. And then it's, it's a question of, the first question is, do you have the right behavior for the job? Mm-hmm. If you do, the second thing is, do you have, as we said before, do you have the right attitude? Do you have yeah. the right cultural fit? Mm-hmm. And that's... If they have the right behavior, that's really the, the things that I look for in the interview. Great. So I know when I'm hiring, I if they're not a hell yes, uh, if they're just a maybe or I've got some doubt, I don't hire them. I, is that something you do? 100% or? agree. Now, why is that in your case? Uh, so for, for me, the, the thing is you have to feel great about a person, mm-hmm. right? If you have, I mean, sometimes you'll interview a person and you'll have a doubt in the back of your mind. Yeah. If you ever have that, don't hire. Mm. Right? Because, because it may not turn out well. Your intuition generally do tell you a lot of things yeah. that yeah, you should listen to. A lot of the time I see people, they, they're very pressed for resources or the likes. Mm. And very often when they interview, they interview, for example, three people or five people, and they hire the best of those five. Uh, what should they do? Well, 
Because so, you're saying the best of those five may actually still be crap. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So the, the key thing is having a clear understanding of what is your expectation, right? Mm-hmm. And what is the requirement for the role. So if you don't have any hell yes, yeah. right, you need to go source more candidates. Mm. Don't just take the best of the pile. Now, if someone, let's just play devil's advocate here, someone's desperate to fill a role, and you're saying if none of the first five candidates met your hell yes criteria and the other things, the culture and the personality and the skills, Mm -hmm. you need to go off and find more. Now, they're saying, hey, I'm losing money every day. I don't have this position filled. What would you say to someone who... I mean, generally, recruiting people is a long-term goal, uh, a long-term play, mm-hmm. right? Because in the end of the day, you might be losing money right now, but if you find a hell yes, great employee, mm-hmm. they're going to help make you money for years and years and years to come, mm-hmm. right? If you take in a mediocre employee or, or, yeah, a or bad someone yeah. that turned out bad, right, that's yeah. going to be a headache for you for a potentially very long what, time. What's the cost of having a bad employee in a, in a role? Well, in, in, the, in uh, particularly in smaller companies, it could be the, the company, right? I mean, wow. yeah. But at the end of the day, if you don't, if you're a small company, if you mm-hmm. only have a couple of employees, right? Yeah. If you get one the, bad apple, could be one the thing that sinks the boat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about in a larger company? What what kind of dollar cost would you put on having a bad person in a role? Well, actually, it, it depends a little bit on processes. The, the stronger processes, the stronger workflows you have. Mm-hmm. The, the, the lesser negative impact generally mm-hmm. a bad employee will have, mm-hmm. right? Because if it is, if, if you have your, many of your job structures, like you can put anyone into it, you can mm-hmm. pull anyone out, mm-hmm. then it's also much easier to hire and fire, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, generally, when you hire, you should be willing to fire quickly, mm. right? If you find out within a week or within a month or mm-hmm. something that the person is just not right, then it's much, much better to cut the person out at that stage yeah. rather than to keep trying, right? Right. Uh, because, a- again, a lot of time what happens is people keep trying, they keep trying. Uh, and really, they've got this little voice in the back of their head saying, this person's not a good fit. Yeah. yeah. So... But that's, that, that's generally how I look at it because yeah. in the end of the day, if you want to build a big company, you, you need to have great people. The smaller yeah. the company, the more important the people are. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Matt, this has been really interesting. I appreciate you sharing it with you. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you? So usually my website, madsingers.com. And that's M-A-D-S and then another S-I-N-G-E-R-S. Yes. So very, very odd name, but uh, that is my name. Uh, I, I am on all the social channels as well, so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and so on. And, uh, yeah, I always love hearing from people and helping people. So if anyone have any questions about recruitment or want some help, happy to for people to reach out. Great. And you can find me, Michael Smith, on intuitivebusinessgrowth.com. And thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. What a pleasure. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?